0: Hi everybody and welcome to season two of the Irish Podcast.
1: I'm Jane. And I'm Cormac. In this season, we share the ups and downs of our Italian journey.
0: From how we moved to Italy to the hustle of work, we'll be sharing what it's
1: actually like to move countries. Join us for our Tuscan adventures, our unforgettable bedboat experience, plus an Edinburgh Fringe special.
0: Whether you're a travel enthusiast or just curious, join us for stories, laughs, and good old Irish hospitality. what up what up that's not the most professional intro to one speaking about your <laughs> profession yeah what up
1: what up welcome to Cormac Wigan job history young <laughs> yo <laughs> I mean
0: um hello everyone
1: hello sir Madam, dad would you like a table for two <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this episode is going to be all about Cormac's work Woo. Career should
1: I say Career that's a better term. Yeah. That makes me sound professional because I'm a functioning professional. You're a professional alcoholic. Professional. <laughs> professional. As we said <laughs> as
0: we said in the last episode, you are you are moving on. I'm gonna jump straight into it because we have now realized that sometimes our podcast recordings last about two and a half hours and
1: There's about forty-five minutes of usable material in those two and a half hours.
0: Yes, so we're trying to shorten down our times of recording because if we shorten down our times of recording, then we can get more bulk content out. Not just shit on this episode being like, can you can you just run through? Just come on,
1: get on with (laughs) it. Yeah, but it it is an episode where the uh, talk
0: about your jobs. God, just hurry up. So, professional mode, Cormac. Can you give us a brief history of your career?
1: Very, very, very quickly. So I. Decided after my leaving, search to take a gap year. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Took a job at my local hotel. Mm -hmm. Decided then I quite enjoyed it. Decided to move on that summer, about four or five months in, to work in the hotel with my sister, the Sea Russell Four Star Hotel. Mm -hmm. Then went to college, did hotel and catering management in GMIT.
0: And your your brother and your sister had both had a background in hospitality. So my
1: sister did the level six of the same course that I went and did myself. Mm -hmm. So I, I entered into a level eight. I ended up leaving at level seven. So I a Bachelor of Business in Hotel and Catering Management. Uh, hospitality was always in our blood. My mom always did amazing, like house parties, house warmings, guests. Everything was set up.
0: She is amazing. She yeah. literally asked, like, your dietary requirement and remember. Oh, when she knew what
1: table dote was before I even knew what a light bulb was. Um, So, yeah, for me then, I just kind of moved on then between different jobs. So working in Galway... Worked in the Merrick Hotel in Air Square. The one right behind the train station. Then I decided to kind of, I had to do uh, work placements. So at the end of first year in the Hotel in Canary, you have to do a three-month placement. They recommend you do it in Ireland, but you can do it anywhere in the world. I did mine at the Lodge at Ashford Castle. Um, so I did three months there in a, in a restaurant. Really enjoyed it. I always wanted to be a bartender, but all my lecturers were telling me, you need to look at the restaurant experience 1st so I was like, "Yeah, fair enough. I'll go do that." Really enjoyed it, and um, then took the opportunity when we had to do our um, next placement in the end of second year. So that was a six month placement abroad. I decided to go to Le Manoir Carré Cisang. So that's a two star Michelin restaurant in a hotel by run by Raymond Blanc. <laughs> some people might know, some people might not. You're fancy. You're fancy. Your your mother, anyone in Ireland, your mother probably knows them. <laughs> uh, just from the telly uh, super fancy really expensive very very plush been there for her thir- been there for 40 years now actually this year 40 okay. year anniversary this year so went there it was the toughest job i ever had in my life uh, it was a 70 hour work week it was like the the two mission level is ridiculous crazy yeah full white apron from my hips to my ankles just fancy, 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 fancy. Mm-hmm. Then came back to Ireland to, to finish off my course. Got a summer job down at Lahinch, uh, Hinch, County Clare. The duty manager moved up that way. Then decided to move back to Galway, finish off my course. And went working in Chenocton's, where I met you. Yeah. So Tienochtend's for two and a half years. So in between, like a lot of part-time jobs, kind of going through those years. Those big places were my most important to learning what I yeah. wanted to do. And so you'd
0: wanted to be like, when you were doing the waitering stuff, you were like, I just want to be a bartender. I just <laughs> yeah, want to be a bartender. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got sick of bartending.
1: <laughs> I basically, COVID changed everything for me where I was like, oh, I was like, I have to be a waiter again. I have to get it into noctons to learn more about whiskey. I wanted my product knowledge to increase about whiskey, about beers, about service in general, and being able to manage like a busy bar because I always wanted to own my own bar when I was older. And um, so I just thought, like, going into Knox would was an incredible experience. And it was. But then COVID made me back into a waiter. And I fought for a long time to get back behind the bar, got a promotion, and then realized I really prefer being a waiter. <laughs> 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 so then it was just kind of like, oh, God, what do I do now? So, yeah, I was It's like, do you know what? I'll go to Italy. I'll work in a vineyard. I was getting really into my wine. And um, one of my lecturers in college is she's a leading expert in sherry in all of in all of Europe. She's the number one. Yeah. She was the one that recommended me to go to the two mission star restaurant. She even said like there's not a lot of people that can do it. It's really tough. So I was like, okay, no, I want to, like, I really enjoy your class. And um, so yeah, no, she was the reason that kind of I, I went that route. Mm-hmm. I thank thank her every day. She yeah. she's definitely one of my leading role models in the hospitality world. And then yeah, decided, you know, go to Italy, work in a vineyard for two months. Three months.
0: Slightly kind of awesome.
1: and then yeah, I got an apartment with you instead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then I threw you into an Irish bar. <laughs> so Straight like, into
1: it. You were like, get a job if you want to move here. I was like, Irish bar it is. Right hey, so, now,
0: you were my you were just such a good bartender in Ireland. You just had <laughs>
1: to bring me with you. And now now I'm going back to my roots. Yeah. Now I'm moving on to a new job that I start tomorrow. Oh, yeah. So so, well, that'll be an, an interesting update in a few weeks to see how we're getting on there.
0: You'll be like, get me back to the club. <laughs> oh my God, I want to serve Guinness. No, I'm only joking. I will say from my perspective, Cormac is a great bartender, but he's an even better waiter. I've never seen such a high standard of service in a local pub in my I life.
1: Think he, I, I took a lot of locals by surprise, I yeah. think. Where <laughs> it's like, you got water? There's water. Boom. <laughs> it's like, There's your food. Boom. What else do you want?
0: Boom. <laughs> I love, even my family, she's like, He's a class above. He's a class above. But <laughs> so,
1: um,
0: well, we'll get into the questions. We'll get into the yeah. questions. Um, kind of touched on it, but what inspired you to pursue a career in hospitality?
1: Um, I just kind of fell in love in my first job being behind the bar and serving and making, making people's day. It's, 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 as corny as that sounds, it's just like really nice to be kind of, you know, you're an important factor in a lot of people's lives. And if you give a good service, you can make someone else's day better. Mm-hmm. and that was really a really simple answer there I yeah give. it was just uh, yeah i really enjoyed it and definitely your mommy i think your mommy. my been. mom was secretly training me for a long time <laughs> quick side story i remember when i was like seven or eight on sundays during the the gaelic football was on i used to go into the pub and i used to love being involved that i used to went and collect glasses for the publican and in return he would give me a free coke and a free packet of crisps and I just was like this is great.
0: Your parents had you so.
1: They, 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 I didn't realize until I took <laughs> that gap year. said where his parents I was like? I've been doing this for years, <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I haven't. Paid yeah, 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 where's
1: my back? Jaw wages, jaw wages.
0: <laughs> the next question: Can you share a pivotal moment or experience from your early career in the hospitality sector that, that shaped your
1: professional journey? Um, ooh, I, I actually, do you know what? I think it was funny enough that it was there was one time, uh. A local in the bar had been in, and he hadn't been in then for a couple of months later. And I used to go around with my my apron on my shoulder, which is obviously unhygienic, and you don't do that properly. And I was sweating and panicking. And when he came back, had my had my apron there, my pen behind me. ear, I was going around all the tables saying hello, bringing people drinks. And he just turned around and he said, D- do you know what? You're a fair cry from what you were a few months ago. And he's like, fair play to you. And I just remember that moment you had more, way more worries than that as an Irish drunk Irishman would obviously say of course but for me it was like a really nice pivotal moment where it's like no actually I'm good I'm good at this where I wasn't sure what I was good at at the time because I was only 17 you know I didn't know what career path I was going to take but I was just like no I was like this is a really nice moment
0: so a little bit of positive reinforcement positive reinforcement my... yeah, yeah hear that people tell your bartender you love them <laughs> bring them to Italy yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> Uh,
0: what do you believe sets apart exceptional hospitality professionals from the rest? And I suppose maybe you kind of mentioned earlier that some people might not be cut out for Michelin, but what do you think makes a really, really strong hospitality worker?
1: It's funny in a lot of terms. It can be very it can be put very simply. It's the people that want to be there. Yeah. That's what puts it because there are so many people that just do the job and they're really good at it but they have other dreams and other ambitions. So they're not fully focused. And I think that's the big thing. It's focus. If you really love your job, a lot of people to be bartending, especially as, uh, you know, I'm going to go serve a few pints. I'll make a bit of money. It's unskilled labor. Don't need the experience. Oh, I know, I know it's my mate, college my mate Johnny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And my my mate Johnny owns a bar. He'll give me a, a couple of hours. So I think what really sets people apart is the people that want to be there. And it is their life. It's their goal. It's their ambition. It's their passion. It's their passion project.
0: Especially for people who, at the end of the day, they want to open their own place down the road. Yeah, or...
1: yeah. so it, it, it's the real, like, even, you know, when you meet a really good waiter, a really good bartender, he gives you really attentive service, or it's just, like, really quiet service, but he's it's always noticeably good. They're, I in think it for the they're in it for the long haul. And it, it, as I say, it can be people who are just gifted, naturally gifted at it, but I think it's, it's the person that wants to be there the most that really sets, sets them apart from everyone else. Like come rain or shine, there's always a smile on their face. <laughs> I've just paused.
0: I've just paused the uh, podcast for him to go and fetch me more prosecco. So you know he's still my bartender. I'm always
1: working, even at home. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. I cook. I cook. I <laughs> cook.
1: Oh, jeez. I'm not really that. will be fine.
0: That's a mighty glass there. Okay, hit me. <laughs> Could you walk us through a particularly challenging situation you faced in your career?
1: Um, okay, so yeah, like obviously working in a two mission star restaurant ha- definitely had its challenges, like the pure just physical endurance, because when you're working that at that high level, where it's expectations, but like everything you do counts, everything you say matters, and um, obviously you can have many falling out with the people you work with. Mm-hmm. And like I had some pretty big ones, like arguments with chefs and like even like some of the most famous chefs in England had arguments with them. One one of them was just about respect for me, where it was um, very much a, a slight bias from their behalf. I won't mention too much detail in mm-hmm. respect to them, but it was, you know, I, I was not French. <laughs> 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 so my name wasn't known uh, to some of the staff. And I made that point very clear, where it upset me that I was just uh, called petit or my friend, mm-hmm. and I took that personally at the time. I was obviously only eighteen, nineteen, still forming my career. Um, sorry, I was about twenty actually when I started there, and yeah, that was a re- that was really tough. It was just like gaining respect from some of your higher colleagues can mm-hmm. be emotionally draining, and you know um having that conversation with that particular chef saying hey look my name's Cormac not Mon Petit mm-hmm. call me Cormac and in fairness till the day I left there he <laughs> he, he called, me. called me Cormac and <laughs> um, yeah I think in general as well you know like when you're going through other stuff like personal stuff and then you have to put on the the service industry face uh, you know I've gone through a lot of personal personal stuff when I was working in different jobs, like behind the scenes in my own head. And you can't let it be known because customers, you know, it, it, especially in more formal settings than informal, they don't want to know about your problems. They just want to be served and served well and with a happy face. So hiding your emotions sometimes when you're in service is difficult.
0: Of course. Yeah. But
1: it's it's expected. It's expected in hospitality. Good teams will always rally around you. And luckily in my really difficult moments, um, I always had that. Mm-hmm always had that so
0: you'd mentioned to me before about once you had finished in the Michelin you went somewhere and you kind of you know you were 2021 20, and you thought you were like shit hot
1: oh I thought I was I, I thought I knew everything I yeah. thought I was the bee's knees I had no humility about me and uh one day my my head chef sat me down well head chef and manager at the place and just called me out called me out perfectly and this is like you know you know you act as if you know everything. you didn't ask questions about these things you thought that you'd learned it all in the michelin place and he really brought me back down to earth you know and he said like it, a lot of these things were negative and he's like but look don't you know don't think you just had a bad experience here and basically demoted me shift me off to their sister place down in the down in the other part of town in lahinch uh, to work there instead just on the floor as a waiter instead of a manager which was a big knock to my confidence, but I, I realized as well through his advice and um, through the advice of my brother being a chef as well, and um, that it was like, you know, don't, don't dwell on negative things, work towards becoming. So I, I, then I always try to be more humble in my experience. So, like, you know, a lot of people know a lot more. And it's just I like really to always, to always be learning. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it, it 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 finished really well between us because them. Um, unfortunately, a, another staff member or two decided like to quit on the same day, and he asked me to come back and help. And I said, of course. Like I'm not going to take it personally. Trying to be more humble, mm-hmm. you know, and give back to him. So it was, yeah, that was a challenging moment, but it was a, a good learning point for me where I didn't have humility. I thought, oh, I've worked for Raymond Blanc, and I'm a, I'm a dive. Fucking great, yeah. <laughs> and in reality, like I still know about thirty percent of everything that I want to know in my career, in my life. Like I'm only at thirty thirty five percent. Yeah, I still have a long way to go.
0: Can you share a memorable encounter that you had with a guest or a client that left a lasting?
1: I have. Oh, I've, well, I've, I've so many. I have so many. One of my favorite moments in a restaurant was actually a, a couple who was in with their young child and they were there having their food and they were like I was chatting away to them and they were like, Oh, don't worry, like you know, he 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 always falls asleep by ten. He always falls asleep by ten. You know, we'll have our we'll have our main course, it's just after that. that's what we picked now. 'cause we'll be asleep. Fortunately the little baby was not asleep, when mm. they were trying to eat their main courses. And the dad had one foot on the pram, moving it back and forth. And they were sharing, and like the rest of the restaurant was quiet. So I decided to um, leave the tears. I didn't know. I decided to uh to say, hey, look, you know, finish your main courses. I'll rock the pram back and forth. And I just continued chatting to them. Was rocking the pram. They were able to finish their steaks. All of a sudden, they looked down and wasn't little baby asleep. And it was, they just looked at me and were like, oh my God, thank you so much. (laughs) much." And it was one of my nicest core memories of working in hospitality, where it's not all just about service, it's about being a nice person as well. And that's what gives you like a good, you know, gives gives customers a really good vibe if you're willing to go above and beyond. As (laughs) I always say, you have to go above and beyond for your guests. But I feel like that moment for me was one of my best where like, I think she hugged (laughs) me on the way (laughs) out. Of course,
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which also reminds me sorry to put it, maybe you don't want to tell the story, Uh-oh. but it also reminds me of another couple with a child that you had encountered who maybe left a little pressure. Oh
1: god. Well that that was certainly memorable. That was the the proper pub days where <laughs> a couple a couple <laughs> of a they were like impression. they were like do you, do you have any baby changing facilities and i was like no unfortunately not In a I was like, but we had like we had the snugs i was like go into the corner you know like you know he was like nobody minds like you're you're well out of viewpoint <laughs> from anyone they are like thank you so much thank you so much
0: of okay, they, they, probably... they
1: they packed up and left and i literally went up to the table to clear their glasses they were already gone outside and yeah they had just left a full warm diaper on the table. A big, and, and I just looked at it I was like, no way. This was I was kind
0: of like, the tail end of
1: COVID. Yeah, yeah, the tail end of COVID. I was just like, there's one thing like, you know, leaving without your mask on or leaving with, you know, coughing all over the place, Leaving a baby's diaper on the table. I just looked at it and I was like, no effing way. I was <laughs> like, did they just actually do that? And we had
0: just started seeing each other at this point. Yeah. And he came over and told me and I was like, no yeah, like yeah. I just burst out I just it. went back
1: to the bar and I was like will you hand me one of the disposable gloves and like go to the bar and was like oh, why god, why? why and I was like I'll show you why <laughs> I brought the diaper out I was just like actually <laughs> outrageous oh my that. god just, why would you think that that's ever cool <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like to even leaving in the toilet oh me,
1: but like there's so many like on mad table mad me, experiences but... like
0: Oh, just gross. What advice would you give to somebody just starting their career in hospitality or is perhaps thinking about a career in hospitality?
1: I think it's like incredibly important to go somewhere where, where, where you'll get good training. And in a lot of cases in Ireland, to try and find out where that is, you kind of like, I've suggested this before, but like, you know ask her ask your dad where where would you where would you want me to work in the sense of like where would I get the best training right? yeah. but for me it's always like look at the places that have that can with withhold staff that can keep staff for many years that's a big one because yeah. that's the thing whereas it's like if there's a bar that you know and there's a new new face behind the counter every couple of months there's obviously a reason for that so it's kind of like if you see these opportunities at places whereas that they run a really good show or you really enjoy going there because the service is always really good then that's going to be the place to start mm-hmm. but it's get it in your head as well if you're starting in the industry like you're going to be dealing with people who are just assholes who just you know oh, come on where's my effing pint you've been you, you've been standing there gawking at me come on where's my yeah. give me my pint ah sure the pint 620 i ah, hear 610 young lad you'll take that won't you you have to be used to the kind of like thick skin is one thing but um like uh, the memory of a goldfish is a great thing to have as well Whereas, just like at the end of the you day. You are
0: so good at just like water off a dog's back. It yeah. doesn't affect your mood. Like, I've no idea how you I've, do
1: I Because when I was first in the job, especially in a local bar, it'd be like, you know, Brian, let's say, let's call him, would come in and he'd be 10 pints in, calling you a bastard, calling you this. Where's my other drink? Oh, Brian, I think you had enough. What the hell do you know of? All that kind of stuff. And, and then the, the next things, day yeah. the next day he comes in. Oh, how are your Cormac car things? Like nothing happened. And for yeah. a 17-year-old I was like, who like I What's didn't realize there actually? was like two versions of mm-hmm. the same people and that uh, that's a big one, especially when you're young. When yeah. You're starting off. You have to realize that, you know. And you have to realize that you're the bartender. So you have the you have the responsibility and you have the power. And mm-hmm. you're you know, responsible serving of alcohol is so important as well, where you have to realize that it's you, know, you gotta keep it. As do part, your job as
0: part of that though you've always said like to do courses to like maybe yeah. if you're really really into the hospitality to go and do like the university degree
1: i would definitely suggest like because then um, in ireland obviously shannon is one of the biggest ones but gmit i have to say i know i'm being biased here because i went there but it, it, they have a really good setup um of opportunities for placements opportunities for working with the kitchen crew because it's, it's Shannon is very much focused, hyper focused, whereas GMIT is a bit more broader. You have a lot more opportunities like to work in the kitchen, to work in accommodation. I know they do this in Shannon as well, mm-hmm. but it's just that there's a much larger spectrum for you to learn from. And they have like a lot of really good um relationships with really big courses. But I would say if you're starting out, offer someone to do a trial say hey can i come in and work for free one night and see if i like it because that's a really important thing as well to see if you enjoy a place and if you can get a trial after your interview or whatever it's like yeah. any questions any chance of doing a trial i'll work for free i'll work three, four, five five hours depending on how much you want to do because i i think you know on paper a lot of places look amazing when you get in when you get in behind the scenes it's not that way And
0: definitely even that was true of like your new position as well where they they offered you two trial shifts and the other job didn't yeah and i could even see from your perspective where i had actually drank in the second place that i got your job and i was like i don't think this is going to be for you yep and so i think it's really interesting that like i don't really work in that i work in the event sector which is kind of parallel but Mm. i think always go and see uh, and like, if you want to work at a bar, go and drink there. Yeah. If you want to work in a restaurant, go and have a meal there. Like, go and see. I
1: think a good tip as well for doing interviews, if you're starting off in hospitality, is to ask what your responsibilities or your roles are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: ask for the full detailed description of your job, then go do the trial and see what extras, if any, they kind of add on while you're there. Because I've you know I've done jobs where it's like, oh, you're only responsible for this oh, no, you, you, you have to come in tomorrow at 8 o'clock in the morning and do the, the, the keg delivery and stock delivery. And be like, yeah, well, that yeah. wasn't a part of the job description. Like, you know, not, not just heavy lifting, but, like, you have to make sure that they don't take advantage. Of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, a way to tell other good places is, like, their, their willingness to give you a trial. Because mm-hmm. a lot of places are like, no, sign the contract, you're in. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, mm, maybe not.
0: <laughs> and especially now, I think in Ireland it's it's your market right now i mean you could go home and snap up anything
1: yeah well ireland at the minute unfortunately is looking for bartenders hospitality waiters like left right and center and it's it's important really important to go into a place where you can get good training and that's the thing you're gonna have to ask is like how how long like a shadowing experience do i get because i've been in jobs where you know i was training staff and it was i usually get half an hour or an hour to introduce people to the to to the location to the setup where we keep everything our menu asking all like answering all those questions for new staff telling them everything and then sometimes when it was quote unquote busy i was told to give a 10 minute tour instead yeah. of a, a 30 Tough. 40 minute tour and i apologize and start at the new staff member i was like i usually have a lot longer to do this this is going to be so intense mm-hmm. like here's seven different rooms here's the Thirty items we keep in this room. This is where you can find this thing. This is where, so. This is the menu. This is gluten free. This is Celiac. CD- this is this. This is that. But
0: this is a huge thing of what kong said is if there's a place that you really, really want to work in. Sorry, because we're re-recording this podcast we did yeah. before, but in a different format. And I do love what Korma could say. And this is true of like if I'm employing someone, or if I'm look, if I'm interviewing someone. You were always saying if you want a job somewhere and you go in for an interview, or if you go in and just even hand in your CV, always ask for the menu. Just study yep. the menu. Go and Google it. Google the reviews. See what's been done well. Yeah. See what like complaints have come in. Like I think it's one just so one
1: rewarding. thing that um, Jane has always suggested on the holiday that I think really reflects as well on like hospitality is go in and look at the lowest rated reviews. Yeah. Go in and look like see if it's a thing where it's like if it's a staff issue or if it's just like a service issue in general. It's like oh the food takes too long or you know, this particular staff member is this this and this or you know, and there could be a, a a plethora of different
0: and you can tell you know especially if you want to get into hospitality or if you work in hospitality you can tell straight away if someone's just being a bit of a wagon or not yeah,
1: to yeah. You know. but it's going into trying to find those places that like give really good trainings and even like entering in like for a summer job and like a busy you know like in Hinge and like different coastal towns there's a lot of opportunities to go in for a summer internship mm-hmm. uh, in into hospitality but you know if you really get into it Go abroad, get a J1, go to France, go to Italy, go to Spain, where they really like respect the tradition of doing hospitality done well. Yeah, But um, if you really have a passion and you watch all the food movies and you watch all the cook shows and all of that, it'll be a lot easier for you to kind of realise and decide.
0: Only two more questions to go, Cormac. Give me. Um, so how do you maintain a work-life balance in an industry like hospitality? So maybe talk about like the restaurant and then the bar side.
1: They're much of two in the same. Restaurant gives you more opportunity for uh, different styles of shifts. Where you know you could come in and you could do breakfast, you could finish at four or five, and you could have your evening off. But then you have to be in the next day. Uh, you're dealing with you know instead of one team like on a bar, you're dealing with two teams in a restaurant. You're dealing with the front of house and you're dealing with chefs chefs and front of the house are very different <laughs> extremely <laughs> yeah. different people and it's like dealing with chefs can be difficult in a lot of places where it's like because it's such a strenuous job being a chef and if you're if you want to be a chef and you listen to this don't quote me but it, it is like a, you know it can be like hammers hitting each other's heads it's just like you can see the world completely different but it's very much kind of You have to keep the balance of service is service. Marco Pierre White said this. He was just like, when you first lent off, it's like, out of respect, you call someone chef. And when service is finished, if you still feel like calling them chef, then you know that that person is someone you respect and that you can work for really well Mm -hmm. if you always respect them with with their their co-name of being the chef but it, it it's it's just about balance in the sense of like you need to have a goldfish memory you need to realize that when people say things when you're in work don't take it to heart and that's really hard to say to someone because it is tough like you know it's i've been screamed at i've forgotten more like slurs against me or you know insults against me than i can possibly remember.
0: I've seen you come up against some tough pricks.
1: Yeah, and it's just to remember that like the more than likely situation is is that tomorrow they will completely forget about you and possibly walk past you in the street or serve you in their job the next day if it's another bartender, which it could be, Mm. and they won't remember a thing.
0: Or they come back in and think everything's rosy. I, yep. I
1: remember the first six pints.
0: Don't remember the last four. <laughs> yep.
1: Oh, I had, you know, even in Finnegan's here, I had someone like call me a, a, a C-word across the bar. And uh, he thought it was all in fun of games, but it was across a crowded bar of people. Who just looked at him, who didn't realize we knew each other, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ooh, you know, you can't be saying that. I was like, That's not cool. And it's like, Because no one else here knows that we know each other like we do. And he was like, I don't remember doing that. So I think for.
0: Keep I, in, well, keeping the balance. We we keep on saying because we have a TikTok, like we have a TikTok, and we keep on meaning to make a video where um it's just Cormac shouting, but it's is it drunk or is it toddlers? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Am I talking to drunks or am I talking to toddlers? It's like get down from there. Put no, you can't drink that. No, you'll get sick if you have that.
0: That's aki. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's aki. Put it down. Get down from there. Um, but remaining in the balance is, is having that ability to. To realize. And it, it, a lot of the times it's just from experience, and it's just from kind of wading through the shit.
0: I think from seeing you more, and I think from knowing you obviously a lot more mm. and seeing you work in two different establishments now, I, I think the yeah. biggest difference is do you have a good temperament? Yeah. Because if you have a temperament that can change like the wind, or if you can get a bit grumpy, or if you can get whatever, then maybe. <laughs> You know, slinging out eight hundred pints to fucking assholes yeah. isn't for you. Whereas you just enjoy it and you make friends while you're doing it and laugh and I can find with, it you know?
1: very enjoyable as well for someone to go crazy at me and then for me just to kind of sit there and laugh and realize that these people are just like bad people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and feel like I'm glad I'm not them <laughs> and then just go back to work. Yeah, but keeping the balance of like, you know, don't make the bar your life, don't make it your lifestyle. Get that separation, you know, have your morning routines before work, have your after routine, go get drunk with your colleagues, go get drunk with your chefs, learn a bit more about them. And it'll make it a lot easier to work with people as well mm. when you have something nearly like, I can't remember the amount of times in a new job where we've gone out, got drunk together and then gone into work the next day with the worst hangover possible and the bonding experience that that can hold, mm-hmm. where literally one day I remember, it's <laughs> a quick side story, sorry, but I remember going, we had the staff party, and there were a the few of us who were all kind of new on the job, or the people who were picked to work the morning after the staff party, Jeez. which is the graveyard of graveyard. You want to be getting for that. <laughs> um, me and my friend were working the night before, and we decided to go to the shop and buy fast eggs, and by chris and by lucasave and by cokes and by all the necessary hangover mm. stuff possible for the next day to which when our duty manager who didn't realize we did all this came in he hugged us nearly cried and <laughs> said thank god i'm working with you guys yeah. you're prepared <laughs> so it is finding that balance of just like you know.
0: Oh, I do want to touch on, sorry, just based on this question, is um there was a bar that you were working in, mm. which you lived above the bar. And I just want to touch on that for a second, because obviously your rent was a lot cheaper because you were living above the bar. Yeah. But I know that, that really kind of affected you in some odd ways. and
1: That was tough. That was a unique way as well, because unfortunately, kind of the, the entrance to the apartment went through a part of the restaurant and then into the beer garden. So it was always a thing, especially at the time, because I, I, I wasn't just a barman there, but I was a duty manager there. And I was like, I remember one day leaving my door, you know, it was my day off. And I wanted to go and have a few drinks or meet a friend for a coffee. And the accountant was going upstairs to the office and she was like, come with me. We need to talk about it last night. And as you know, like it, it, in a lot of times, a lot of people will say, oh, sure, it's fair enough. If you made a mistake or it, something was wrong, you know, you have to deal with it." But I'm always, and Jane knows this, for me very well where it's like if i'm not working i am not involved
0: you are so good at that because it's just if it's my day off
1: it is my day off i'm not getting paid to consult Mm -hmm. you know and fair enough, at that time, I was only newly a, a duty manager and I was obviously living above the pub. So I had to go upstairs for 20, 30 minutes to find a problem that actually, at the end, wasn't even mine. Mm-hmm. It was actually to do with someone else that took cash out and then my float that I put into the other night was down. Um, but it's it, things like it, I, I, it, that really affected me because uh, I was always... In the pub. I was always yeah. inside of it. Because from my bedroom, I could always hear my my colleagues. I could always hear customers. You could see
0: the setup. You could hear the kegs. I, I heard
1: everything. Yeah. And it was just like to... I wasn't good at separating that in that sense. I yeah. always think about getting away, going somewhere new where I'm not involved. And, you know, like, it, that was always a thing for me. I like it parts that I enjoyed, but it was just more... I think that's where
0: separation has become even more important to you now. Yeah. And it's, I think, with us moving here and you know you had gotten a job in the Irish bar and that was amazing because we had a group of we had a group of friends that we had made and you know everything was kind of focused around the bar for so long and yet it was only it took me about six months to realize that it was very unfair for Cormac where we had made in my head all these new friends and isn't it fantastic and like you know we can have them over for dinner parties and we're based in the pub and yeah so my bartender but I kind of forgot along the way that you were working and you were the bartender and you were the sole responsible person to keep that all in check and you had a very different relationship with these people because you're their bartender you're not you know my boyfriend or i'm not your girlfriend you know it's just a very different thing so i think it's you've gotten really good at separating business from pleasure yeah you can always go for drinks with your co-workers you can always live near the pub but i think you've very much been like
1: but you, you you can do it in moderation for sure. Because if you work at a nice bar and you enjoy having a pint there, then go for it. But it's you know like even in the Irish pub period, like a couple of times we did the lock-ins and like even you said to me, you were like, oh well, why don't we stay? Or mm-hmm. and I'd be like, oh well, why don't we go around the bar to the bar around the corner? And she like, but you know, you get your free pint or two after work, and like you know, you get your discount here, and like you know, it's way cheaper we stay here, and I would like. But I'm still in charge. Yeah. I still have to do the drinks. And not I know I'm with very... my friends, but it, it's I'm still responsible. No matter how drunk I get, I still have to lock up, make sure everything's turned off correctly, make sure the mm-hmm. bar is clean. And... You
0: could never put your shoulders I down. I could never put
1: my shoulders down.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And I think it was the same thing when you were living in a pub Yeah, I could itself. never put my
1: shoulders down. you know, be worried about who I'd run into, like in the hallway or even outside. But...
0: Bringing girls back.
1: Bringing Ooh. girls back. <laughs> I only brought one girl back. Now I live with her in Italy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the final question, Cormac, is what is your five-year plan? Apart from... Obviously, I was getting married to getting a duck
1: shined. Well, that's number uno and due right there. Excuse me. Sorry, um, I'll
0: rephrase that question. What is uh, your career goals for the next five
1: years? Oh, yeah. Sorry. The podcast about my career. <laughs> oh yeah. Slip Be, that in there. That you are
0: trying to get me there, didn't you? <laughs> uh,
1: Five-year plan for my career. Uh, currently, is I'm moving on to my new position tomorrow, the chef de Rome. I want to learn more about the the bar industry and the trade and the restaurant trade. I want to make more connections in Italy, go to more events, meet more um suppliers and providers of alcohol, olive oil, lemons, mm-hmm. kind of learn more about the, the grassroots of produce in Italy. And then in five years, be kind of looking to get into either a, a co-ownership or general managerial position of running a place. Mm-hmm. and either with a business partner that i trust or by myself if i have enough capital think decide in there a 10-year plan would be to own my own place
0: yeah
1: about five years to be in with someone else i think that would be that would be the, well, the thing is bottom. you've been
0: offered two leases since we got here
1: <laughs> it's going pretty well yeah it's going pretty well <laughs> <laughs> no definitely
0: so you got your you got your somebody level two this year yeah here. Or well, of last year now and then... So
1: I think over the next five years it's complete a few more courses. Um I always had the possibility they were trying to bring my hospitality course online to to Galway as well, which mm-hmm. would be very interesting to finish my Bachelor of Honors degree, which means I could become a lecturer in the future, which would be a big interest of mine because I do love teaching I do love like of course about yeah. hospitality and like the trade. Um so that would be another a couple of courses more detail kind of visiting vineyards visiting i want to visit a vineyard we've lived in italy for a year and a half and we haven't visited a single vineyard you know i was meant to i meant to move here to work in a vineyard <laughs> i still i still haven't found my way to find one yet um but yeah no i think the five-year plan is very simple learn learn and learn i think that's i think you're looking for like a,
0: a buddy I think you're looking for like a partner. I'm looking like a,
1: a, a Fred Syriax before he became all famous. Yeah. <laughs> I remember watching him 12 years ago, maybe 11 years, 12 years ago, I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: On Michelle Rue's show. I was like that guy. So I want to.
0: Well, you've got the shaved head, the beard, and you'll have the navy suit in two weeks. So,
1: But I don't have the French accent. <laughs> I'm learning an Italian one. So maybe I'll be the Irish-Italian Fred.
0: <laughs> you'll, have, you'll have the sexy Irish accent, though. Sexy though, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sexy to people who aren't me, from Ireland. me,
1: it's me and my bogger accent. Yeah, to anyone, <laughs> anyone from Ireland is just like, Oh, yeah, he's from the Midland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyone outside of Ireland, is like, Oh, god, your, your accent is just beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, I'll get you like your own telly. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> the Irish podcast. Well, we do, know telly a, program. <laughs> we do know
1: a very famous actor here who might be able to give us an opportunity, cutting that out, <laughs> anyways.
0: Cormac, any closing words on your career or what you want to say, or if you ever use this for a future job interview
1: where you're not actually turning up, do you know? Um, I think if I could give people like if if you want to get into wine, look at wine folly. Both on Instagram, they have wine books. It's very good introductory. If you want to get into wine, do that. I would recommend the the book by the Dead Rabbit Irish pub in New York. and um, there from Barney to Blarney book is very good, but an introduction to whiskey, if you're interested in whiskey. I would watch the movie Burnt with Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm. That's a really good insight into the Michelin chaos of like pure and the bear. pure yeah. addiction. The bear as well is incredibly a good insight to just like how mad hospitality people's lives are in the terms of like obviously doing that. Um, Anthony Bourdain is another good insight to like just like you know how different cultures can come together in terms of hospitality
0: chef's table as well
1: chef's table is really good just really how dedicated really good. people can be yeah yeah just like but it's you know it's it's a pure go out there if you love dealing with people and you find your own self-enjoyment from it go and do it offer to do trial shifts offer to work for free for a night or two in different places Always say yes to different opportunities. Like I I got asked to be a kitchen porter for a night. I said, yeah, of course I will. See where your your niche, your happiness is. See where you really enjoy working in hospitality. Because okay. there's different sections.
0: I want to say from um, a perspective of someone who's a remote worker, who can kind of travel pretty much anywhere, being an Irish bartender is so malleable. Like you can move anywhere being an Irish bartender. Do you know you don't really need the
1: language. They'll hire you without the language. They'll offer to help teach you the language. And it's a fantastic way to learn as
0: well. And yep. I just feel like it's such a if you're someone who's not that great at tech or doesn't have an in like interest in working in tech at all, but you love people, you'll be front yep. facing. I think actually working in that hospitality like niche area of Irish bars, there is an Irish bar. We've we've even looked at moving to the very 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 south of Italy, and they were giving grants out to move to this like super remote place that has less than three thousand um three thousand people living there, and they were giving grants. Especially for if you wanted to set up a business there. And we were like, <laughs> uh, God, maybe we'll go down there. Jane turned me and Jordan, an she was
1: pub. like, You should set up an Irish pub. I turned to Jane and I was like, Bet you there is one. And I Googled it. There, Two bars. There one's was an Irish pub. It was <laughs> the smallest, <laughs> like, <one's> the smallest <laughs> population in all of Italy. And they had an Irish bar. Again. Yeah. <laughs> they love it over here. And like, yeah. a lot of cities like anywhere in France, any, anywhere that's really much like wine, the traditional pub is the Irish pub it is yeah plan. like that is the the floor plan for a, and just an original bar or original pub where they just third pints you don't need to get table service or your tapas or prayer or rock in rocking and of beer
0: but i do want to say i think my biggest point is that if you want to become a remote worker and you're like god i really want to move country but i don't know how to get there and i'm not good at online like do i yeah. need like how can i become an influencer or whatever you don't need that go into an irish bar and just become shit hot and yeah. then There's Irish bars all over the world.
1: And And I have to say, like, even from working for years and years and years in Ireland, like networking opportunities were incredible. But being a foreigner in a country where there are other foreigners who've been there for a long, long time, who are like incredibly big businessmen or they set up their own industries, whatever else, the networking opportunities are absolutely huge. Yeah. Like huge. I've been offered other Irish bars since I've been here. I've been offered to help run hotels. I've been offered to do wine tastings, like to run wine tastings, unfortunately, an hour side outside of Florence. <laughs> You'd be cycling all, for hours. <laughs> all through people that I've met working in an Irish bar. And, you know, like the two days before I started in that pub, Bill Murray was drinking there. So I'll just leave that as a <laughs> 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 you never know who you're gonna meet, but it is a fantastic opportunity. You're right in saying that if you just get the basics in Ireland, work for a summer for, you, for your local bar, and then go abroad, the world is your oyster.
0: So thank you so much, Cormac, for that uh, very professional interview. Thank you, Jen. uh You might have gotten the job. We'll see. We'll get back to you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so thank you so much for listening. We um, are now officially the Irish Podcast. You can find us on the IrishPodcast.com and all of our social handles are the Irish Podcast as well. Tune in next time for all about my work where Cormac's gonna interview me. Oh,
1: how the turntables.
0: How the turntables have turned. <laughs> and we'll talk to you on the next one.
1: Thank you very much for listening.
0: Shlon